Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Trends Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. Uh, this episode is sponsored by the MT360 Conference. We've got a great series of uh, speakers where we talk about transformative technologies entering manufacturing. Uh, companies like Cisco, HP, uh, IBM Watson, Oracle, GE, VO Robots. It's an amazing lineup. Go to MT360 Conference for more information. I am Benjamin Moses, the Director of Manufacturing Technology, and I'm here with... Stephen Lamarco, the Manufacturing Technology Analyst. We did that so clean. What a way to wrap up our, the last podcast of the year. It took 17 episodes to get <laughs> We actually got our titles right. Congratulations, Steve. Yes, thank that you. That was really good. Excellent. All of 2019, just to get our titles right. Uh, wow. So, yeah, this uh, that's a great intro. So this is the last episode for 2019 before we go on it is. vacations and uh, end of year stuff. Uh, so this episode will be a, a wrap-up of some of the best articles and uh, topics that we talked about throughout the year. Sure. So I'm excited. So uh, one thing, uh, a little behind-the-scenes action, is we were actually prototyping this episode for quite a while before we launched it. Yes. Uh, so we got through uh, seven episodes uh, before we actually launched uh, the series. We actually continued prototyping, and then we, re- we released the previous episode. Prototyping the podcast, Correct. not the episode. Okay. Prototyping the podcast. I got you. Well, we tested the workflow, production, and uh, the show notes, things like that. And one of the things that we talked about, well, I talked about, was how important the local library is. I just want to uh, mm-hmm. mention that at the end of the year that uh, the local library is still my number one seed. One, I don't have to buy Amelia books. I'm cheap, so I can save money by not buying books anymore and just obviously making use of the public library. But the reason uh, I like it so much is the the technology that's in, that's at the public library. Um, the what, what I've noticed now is they have a lot of uh, maker factories, maker spaces yeah. in uh, libraries. So they've got, a, of course, a lot of 3D printing equipment, but they've also got um, some basic uh, machinery, basic um, uh, hand tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have some small CNC equipment, very, very small, like some desktop equipment. Uh, they have some sewing and some uh, 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 joining equipment. Uh, so it's very interesting just in that space, but also how our library does uh, book handling, book processing. They've automated the book return, so they have a conveyor that reads the, the books as it goes in, and when you check out, it, uh, it automatically um, recognizes the books right. that you're checking out. So you never have to talk to a librarian if you don't want to. Um, and it's the technology involved uh, for inventory management and checking the books in and out, and I thought that's very, very cool. And uh, I mentioned that if you want to compare uh, the technology implementation at your factory to the rest of the world, that's one way to do it, or just compare it to how advanced you are compared to the library. That was one of the themes from the earlier podcast that didn't get published. I think it's so cool that libraries and, and, and you know, counties, because they're public, we're talking public yeah, libraries. public libraries, yep. Counties want to not only keep libraries relevant, right. and we're, gonna, we're probably going to bring up pivoting a few times, <laughs> but they want to change the definition of a library. Sure. Like, you know, it's not just a place for bookworms. You know, it's not, <laughs> it, it, there's Wikipedia for yeah. a lot of stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Libraries still have way more solid sources for, like, you know, just resources and uh, reference materials. But um, – you know, it, it, you're absolutely you're spot on with them becoming maker spaces too, right. uh, with with not only 3ds but like 3d printers and additive manufacturing, but it but hand tools as yeah. well. Yeah. I think it's so cool. It, it, it that just made me think of how cool would it be if there was a, a sort of like um, 
an auto repair shop that, you know, you can take, you can drop your car off. You can take your car in for repairs, right. but they also have a bay that is monitored and like how, how, how books are, you know, taken out and returned. Uh-huh. Every tool had like an RFID chip in it. Sure. So, you know, you don't want to pay like you think astronomical. These are astronomical <laughs> prices to, you know, for an oil change. Yeah. Bring your car in, bring your own supplies that you bought off of Amazon or whatever. Um, try your own hand at yeah. it. Right, that'll be fun. You Use Lyft. You yeah. know, you yeah. just rent time on the Lyft. Sure. Um, that'd be wild. That'd be wild. Probably there'd be need to be some uh, some updates on B eleven stand safety standards <laughs> or OSHA standards. Sure. But uh, now yeah, that wouldn't be OSHA. That would be B eleven, wouldn't it? Machinery. It'd whatever. be safety. Some sort of some machinery safety standards. Safety standards. Sure. People would hurt themselves. Sure. There'd be some lawyering to do. And that's but. one nice uh, feature about the library is there's a resident expert that's usually there yes. during business hours. So that's absolutely there's necessary. Always some kind of guidance. And it's not just somebody to. To make sure you're not taking anything out of, <laughs> and you're not stealing anything. It's they're, they're there to help. Yes, yeah, it's an it's an SME on site. They're there to make stuff. That's so wild. So that's cool. Uh, so what about for the test bed? What's your highlight for the year for the the test bed? So I was going over um, all of the projects, all of uh, I think the fifty posts that have gone live so far yeah. this year, yep. and there's there's two more um, to come out, maybe three. Uh, anyway. Um, I was going over the list just to highlight some things, and I just thought to my – I turned to you and audibly said, dude, we've done a lot this year on the <laughs> it's test quite, bed. It's quite a, quite a bit of work. A lot has been accomplished. Like in the back of my mind, like thinking about this every day, it's like, man, I really haven't done much on the test bed. I feel sure. bad about it. And, and I'm sure some people around the office may like me like, have has there been – there's evidence, and I guess yeah. this is probably why you you and Russ made me start the blog. Sure. And it's like to document everything. I've done a lot just yeah. in this year alone. So so my list starts off with this time last year when we first started report uh, recording the podcasts, but uh, not rolling them. When we started prototyping. Right. Um, you know, last November, not this past November, November 2018 right. was when we put in the order for the robot. Um, the X-Arm 7 uh, collaborative robot. Uh-huh. And half of my content that I had scheduled for this year was going to be getting the robot working and getting it started. That's right. And this year has been chock full of experience, lessons learned, and, and successful projects without a robot in sight. That's right. That I take that back. Doug did gift Shara and I, our, our department, a little Arduino-powered baby yeah, robot yeah, arm. Right. Um, Shara made good use of that. By and he put a he wrote a or uh, um, an MT Connect adapter yeah. for an Arduino chip yeah. and made it applicable to like a, a two joint, three joint, mm-hmm. maybe four tops uh, robot arm. Mm-hmm. Um, he certainly made a lot more use of it than I did, uh, but we we did do something with a robot yep, this year. That's true. Um, so I can't totally dismiss the robot, but that's still something we're going to be waiting on for next year's the arrival of this robot. It's paid for. It's been paid for for a year now. Yep. We're just waiting on the shipping. Um, the next step, or what, what you want to say something? No, no, go ahead. I'll uh, recap because I want to talk about kind of the strategy of the test bed and sure. why it exists. But go ahead recap some of the uh, events that you've uh, um, highlights. A, 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 something that you brought up at the beginning of this year um, was Steve for all of the – all the cutting that we do on the test bed, let's not cut wax anymore. Yeah. Wax is too easy. 
You can't screw up a wax part. <laughs> you can't break a tool on wax, which I prove. I, I think I prove pro- had proven wrong. Um, but so this year, it was going to be exclusively Delrin. Yeah. If we're going to test something, test it in wax, but it doesn't count as an experiment. Sure. Um, we're going to do everything in Delrin, and then you know, happily, I to report that uh, we've taken that a step higher, mm-hmm. and I'm really comfortable. Uh, not th- not as comfortable as I am with cutting Delrin, <laughs> but I'm really comfortable cutting brass now. Yeah, and it's not uh, free cutting brass or alloy brass. It's yeah, it's not free machining brass. Free machining it's not like brass, lead yeah. based. Right. It's this is real brass. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I had just thought of something, but it, well, I lost it. Um, and we made the brass dial. That yep. was a huge accomplishment because right. you know I've got such passion for like watchmaking and just horology in general. And the two elements that I want to highlight about that watch dial that I made: one, it, it looks great. I mean, the the finish of it is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And also, it, it looked like it fit really well. I saw the yeah. end product. And Russ, so like like that watch is is still like you know I jokingly say it's a face only a mother could love, <laughs> but. But Russ did exclaim when putting it back together, and then I helped him because he, he had taken it apart. So I let him reassemble it, sure. and then I learned watching him that I could probably do a better job than him. <laughs> like he, he has no interest in this thing. He right. just took it apart because that the original dial was hideous. Right. Um, but uh, he did exclaim that this is a perfect fit. Oh, good. It, it is. Awesome. It, all the measurements were right, so yeah. we did that right. Um, that, that's a yeah. You're thank you for bringing that up. Um, no more wax. A lot of experience with soft jaws. Yeah, that's I've true. used soft jaws a lot this year. Mm-hmm. The vice that the um, um, the pocket NC came with is very good, and it looks like a standard, you know, table vice that you'd see at IMTS sure. being used, just miniature. Right. Um, and that brings up another thing. I am looking at getting another uh piece of work holding. Somebody reached out to me on Instagram. Look forward to hearing what the products there. This guy's trying to make in his own machine shop. He is cool. in industry. Um, where did I have it now? Soft Jaws. A lot of special guests this year, both in and outside of our organization. Yeah. So I've had Chris Chidzik. I've had uh, the, a lot of the people from uh, Strategic Analytics mm-hmm. come uh, check out and like check out and try their hand out of some light manual machining, or sure. at least as manual as you can get with the. With, with a CNC machine as like the pocket NC, but, um, Elena, mm-hmm. Elena from, uh, Marshall high school. She, she put in a solid three months of work here on the test bed. Yeah. She only came in like once a week, sure. but the, 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 the data she gave me that we got from her, um, the G code files that she generated from all of her cam work mm-hmm. from a high school student. Yeah. Easily that counts as three months of, of at least temp work. Yeah. And that's she a, did a killer job. And that's a, that's a very good point. So she started from nothing and created something. So starting from creating the CAD geometry, creating the cam the G, to the G code yeah. to cutting the part. That's very impressive. Yeah, She just, she, she came in, you know, at the beginning of summer, Russ had introduced me to yep. her and she's like, I want to make a, a 20 sided die. Yeah. Icosahedron. <laughs> I finally know how to say it. You got it correct. An icosahedron. End of the and, year. <laughs> or is it isocahedron? Oh, no. Whatever. Forget <laughs> it. Uh, a 20-sided die. <laughs> we still don't know it. Um, she she came in saying, I want to make this. Yep. Let me send you um, a GrabCAD file I found on the internet. And three months later, not even three months later, two months after she sent me that, 
she had a 20 sided die in her right. hand that we made off of the pocket NC That's pretty made good. out of Delrin. Yep. Used total five axis machining to make it, even though it has flat sides. Um, and then, you know, she did a few other projects after that, that that weren't as big a deal, but they were still important sure. and for the, like the next month. And then she went off to college. Uh, okay. So, yeah. and she's having a good time up there in okay. Massachusetts, WPI, I think. Okay. Um, special guests. Um, Oh, and the last point I have to cover is I've done a lot of machine maintenance you know, yeah, even before true. this year um, when uh, the uh, the controller went bad. The Beagleborn, the Beaglebone mm-hmm. Black uh, crapped out either last year or the year before. And we reached out to Pocket and see who has been great through all of our learning. Like no questions asked, total support, yep. you know, um, helping us get the machine running, learning how to use the machine. They just released a uh, a course program to get people up to speed with five axis manufacturing, which awesome. is re- really looking forward to getting started with that. Um, that sounds exciting. But, you know, I've, I've replaced the controller on the machine. Uh-huh. Um, and this year it took me, you know, pretty much the whole year because the, the problems really didn't start till the beginning of this year with the the B table right. getting caught up and snagged on stuff. But um, Pocket NC essentially said, you know, quoted us that this this would be a big repair uh-huh. and, you know, making this, re- repairing this and upgrading the machine, they quoted just under 3K for it. Sure. And I was able to fix it for just my time here right. at AMT. Yeah. Like it was thinking it was like $10. Right. I paid for shipping for parts, of yeah. some parts. Yep. Um, Which is great. I mean, you've seen common problems that you'll see on any manufacturing equipment any, from the controller itself having issues to hardware on the machine itself. And this is, this is the same, cycle. same uh, maintenance experience that I would get at any shop just on a smaller scale. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that gets back to the strategy. So one of the things that we've talked about at the test bed is it allows us to do a couple of things. So, Overall, the goal of or the strategy for the test bed is to accurately represent a manufacturing facility with uh, representative with manufacturing equipment within an office. Right. So that's the overall strategy is we want to be able to represent a factory in an office space. So that means it's safe to use an office space, not allowed. There are also the constraints of the office space, but being able to produce what a factory theoretically could. And this were two folds. One it provides a digital test bed, so allowing the Empty Connect Institute have a place to try things out and. Uh, develop uh, additions to the standard, but mm-hmm. also it allows uh, you and myself uh, insight into the manufacturing world to understand the needs and challenges within a, a manufacturing facility. That way we can Absolutely. kind of steer our conversations in our committees and the stuff that AMT works on uh, for the future. So We know how to, through the test bed, we know how to, I know how, because you, you came from the industry, <laughs> sure. but I, through the test bed, I know how to speak the language yep. of, you know, other people who, who work 24 seven on a, uh, or at least, you know, during the week work in a hard hat facility. Right. Um, and Russ and Sharab, you know, know how to work with their product. Sure. Uh, sure. MT Connect, like, they have firsthand experience with it now because yeah, of the test yeah. bed, and it's totally office legal. We'll say uh, hearing and eye protection building. Yeah, they usually don't wear hard hats in a manufacturing. I, I <laughs> Unless stand, you're an oil rig. <laughs> well, we don't need any of that here with the test bed. <laughs> so any, awesome. well, except safety glasses. Yeah, 
Also, do you have anything else, or should we get That's into it articles? for yeah. uh, the, the test bed. It's been a great year. I'm looking forward to closing out the uh, a gr- another great year to close out the decade. Awesome. And there's a couple of articles that uh, I went back to look at that are favorites of mine. Um, so I've got an article that uh, mentions uh, incremental improvements. So I'm a really big fan of uh, fast and quick implementations to yeah. solve problems quickly. Uh, so this one was reported from the Fabricator um, magazine, and it talks about uh, the true uh, mobile workstation. So the problem was <gasps> – Yeah, this one was cool. Within a uh, factory floor, you're going to have to pack and ship. So in this case, they're packing ship pallets of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they have a pallet on this side of the room, pallet on that side of the room. So the operator is going back and forth to the, from his desk, which is stationary, to print labels, to print uh, sh- shipping stuff and um, – and then attach to the pallet and then go back and forth. Uh, so what this one company decided to do was let's put some batteries on a mobile cart with a laptop and uh, a printer and then just wheel the cart around. You Obviously using Wi-Fi and the battery that's, you know, he's got a, like two or four lithium battery stations yeah. uh, on the cart. So I, I guess you have options on the cart on how long it'll last right. and how much equipment you have on there. Uh, so you just roll it around and it's all powered by those batteries for throughout the day. Uh, it's powering the printer, it's powering the, a monitor, a, a laptop, and all the other accessories that may go along with it to, you know, print your labels, uh, get your invoices, probably do some receiving equipment, uh, receiving also. So I thought this was really and, and what's interesting. Really, another thing that's really fun about that is, is and I, of course, I didn't put this together until now, the second time we've brought up this article, <laughs> but our test bed is the same thing. Yes. It's on yeah. a, it's on a, uh, a seven gauge steel wheeled workstation right. mobile workstation that is massive it's it's uh-huh. it's it, it is an aircraft carrier of a desk <laughs> but uh, it is on wheels we got the biggest de- uh, table possible that can fit in the elevator of this building yep um it is totally maxed out but it fits in the elevator um and it's it has ubs's on it um Uninterrupted, no, UPS, uninterrupted power supply. That's not like a series of car batteries. Right. But the whole purpose is if the pocket and sees in the middle of milling something and I need to move it some, like if if I'm demonstrating something Mm -hmm. and it's in the middle of a program and I need to just get it out of the room, like I'm, I'm, I have, I've maxed out my time and somebody else needs to take the room and I need to get it out of there and it's making a bunch of noise. It has about enough power in that uninterrupted power supply to, wheel it out of the room uh-huh. back to its little home spot in the corner of the building and then plug it back in. That's pretty cool. So it's got about five minutes of power yeah. that it can mill on the battery alone. But it's, the, the whole point is not so it can like mill mobily on the go, but like <laughs> so you can move it. Sure. Like, yeah. And that's the whole point of putting on the table also is that we do that. Make it a demonstrator, <laughs> right? So we can move <laughs> it around to wherever we need and move it out, chip it to yeah. other locations. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the the big uh, benefit of this is being able to eliminate eliminate one of the layers of waste, uh, which is reduced uh, wasted movement. Yeah. Instead of going back and forth, you get your return on investment of the operator's busy all the time. Now he's making sure uh, and it's measurable, too. You can actually measure the time savings before and after. Absolutely. And that time, the time of one operator or just mm -hmm. one worker in general is really expensive. It is. Like these people make money. And and it's also... um, uh, reducing your missed opportunity. So if you're just shipping off like a couple of times a day, absolutely. Right now, the operator has even more time to do other stuff that's uh, that could be done in the adjacent cell. So optimizing the user's time is uh, pretty solid. 
Did you have an article that uh, you want to walk through? So I didn't have one of my favorites from sure. this year. I, I didn't take that much time to find one. But uh, when writing up uh, a tech trends uh, summary or, or run through for um, January's AMT News, came across a great article by Forbes. Um, and the title is The Decade in Production, Innovations, Trends, and the Future of Manufacturing. Nice. Um, and I won't get into everything that the article talked about. But one of one, it made me think of I can't imagine and I haven't been in this industry for an entire decade. I've been here since 2015. Sure. I got to I've experienced so far two IMTSs mm-hmm. and that's just two. Those IMT, IMTS, each IMTS is only two years apart. Right. So much happened between my first IMTS 2016 and 2018. See if we've been here at the same time. I know. I still though, <laughs> <heads> man. <laughs> but like, how? I can't imagine how much has changed in a decade. Sure. Yeah. And it just this article, reading through this article, just made me think. And I'm, I'll be real quick. I promise. But um, I remember seeing in 2016, HP, sure, the printer company, yep. who's one of the people who's going to be at uh, MT360. By That's the right. way, HP, um, you know, I grew up seeing them making inkjets. Mm-hmm. You know, and fax machines. <laughs> Who uses a fax machine anywhere? That's yeah. how long it's been. HP has totally pivoted. Right. And the, while they still make printers and inkjets and laser jets mm-hmm. and, and and HP is now yeah. office equipment. Right. HP is now making a machine tool. Right. It's additive manufacturing. It's yeah. a 3D printer. But that's still a machine tool. Absolutely. How about that for a pivot? That's a great In move. the yeah. past decade. <laughs> Not even in the past decade since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really Really cool to see that. This change. is so nuts. Yeah. Oh, the uh, one thing that I've uh, noticed is we decided to do a research project with Virginia Tech. Uh, they're they're okay. implementing uh, digital standards in manufacturing. And one thing that I've noticed so a couple of years ago when I first joined, you saw PhD students and research students yes. pulling data from uh, manufacturing equipment, pulling, uh, doing analysis. And then you saw, saw this transition to uh, students with their master's degrees working on this project as a research project. So like Sharab, he's got his master's mm-hmm. and this one's research project. Uh, this year, we have undergrads doing the exact same thing. So the research project that Virginia Tech is doing oh, wow. is being done by undergrad students. So that's, to your point, the evolution of how quickly things are evolving within manufacturing is a couple of years ago, we had PhD students. Now we've got undergrads doing it as part of their senior project. Uh, implementing is, uh, digital solutions for the manufacturing floor. So pretty soon I'll be hiring high school students to do the same within a couple of years to implement, you know, a data uh, collection from manufacturing equipment. So it's, it's progressing quickly. This is so cool. Yeah. So the last uh, article that I want to talk about was uh, the interesting thing that the Disney Research uh, Group is doing. So this is Disney as in the theme parks, the movies, Disney Plus Forever has got uh, that movie pass. Um what they're doing is uh, the end goal is to improve the animatronics, but what they're doing is <clears throat> being uh, creating a robot that's uh, fast and efficient to move as a human would. So okay. what they're doing, they're using hydrostatic transmission of hair, hybrid air water configuration. Uh, so uh, so r- robotic arm can typically be typically servo motors, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. Hydrostatic. Now. Yeah. So what they're doing is it's combination of air and uh, uh, hydraulics. Okay, so pneumatics and yeah, hydraulics. Exactly. So it's a uh, combination of the f- uh, the speed and the force. Uh, the interesting thing uh, within this video um, is there's two layers to this. One, we have an operator 
that has a control system that looks like the robot itself. So it's a small uh, miniature robot, so maybe three feet tall with arms. Okay. And the, uh, the operator is holding the robot uh, from from behind, kind of just, like just moves just the, moves the arms around. So he's behind a wall. He's got some VR glasses, and the actual robots <laughs> on the other side of the wall. So he's using telemetry to move the robot. And the big robot that's actually the people are yeah, seeing yeah. Yes, exactly. is just mimicking what the little exactly. robot is that yep. the operators at. Yes. That is so cool. And he's able to pick up eggs without crushing it. He's able to you know thread gotcha. needles. He's able to do very 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 fine work that requires human dexterity mm-hmm. um, capabilities. And uh, through, you know, VR goggles and this uh, apparatus that mimics his controls on the other side. So it's very similar to, like, the Da Vinci robot in medical field where they have the surgeon doing stuff that's capturing his hands. Except this is on a, uh, say, more usable scale. And it's uh, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. And and so so that explains the the, uh, importance of both uh, speed and force. Correct. Um, and, and why you're hybridizing yeah. Yeah. pneumatic and hydraulic. Yes. And I take it with speed and force, pneumatic is, offers the speed and hydraulic offers right. the force. Right. Okay. Yeah. And they, they do have a haptic so feedback wild. so the operator knows if it's contact. So that's, that's cool. That was a really interesting uh, plan. I like the, the research that they're doing. They do a lot of stuff. on. They did one on uh, printing with drones, aerial drones. Yeah. So they could print on the side of a rock uh, a pattern and – the technology behind that. So the actual implementation of what they're doing is cool, but the technologies right. that's involved required to get achieve that end state, that's really, really fascinating. That is so wild. It's awesome. This is a you know great year in review. Steve, you got one more thing? Before we wrap up, All right. I just thought of this before we clicked record. Yep. Um what are some of your goals for next year? Obviously, this isn't like for for like <laughs> compensation purposes. Sure. But like sure. the podcast goals for next year. And and I wrote down because I didn't want to forget it. Yep. Um I want to talk more about metrology. Yeah. yeah I want, I want more work on the, t- the test bed with metrology. Obviously, I've done a lot with like work holding and I want to get another vice. And I've been meaning to buy a um, a gauge indicator, dial gauge indicator, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is metrology. And I want uh, more metrology articles. Okay. Specific, this is a personal goal. I'm not telling you. You sure. need to bring me more <laughs> metrology articles for uh, the yeah. podcast. But I want to talk more about you know, you know, it could be anywhere from like history of Anton LeCult <laughs> inventing the first micrometer to, I don't know, whatever Joel Nydig's doing to chase after the almighty micron. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that's a good point. That's, that is a weakness in our, uh, in tech trans, our tool that we use to aggregate the research and news. Uh, metrology is a weak point, partly because of the uh, results we get on doing generic searches under metrology. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm going to work on next year is after we uh, ingest all the 2019 uh, research data is look at how to incorporate metrology into our research tool. And it's um, arguably like the most important part of manufacturing. Yeah, sure. I'd believe that. Like, th- Think about uh, it. Think uh, about it. Let's say you're buying, yeah. you're buying some aftermarket parts for your car, sure. whether you're Improving it or just fixing it. Sure. But you don't want to go with the OEM. Right. Well, why would you go with the OEM in the first place? You know it's going to fit. Yeah. We'll get into a bait of design quality versus manufacturing quality in the next episode. I would love to hear that. Let's get into that. Uh, what I'm interested in doing is talking a little bit more about research. Um, uh, we've done a good, pretty good job this year about talking about relevant news that's come up. Okay. Uh, what I would like to do is uh, we have a huge data set on 
research. More like white papers? White papers, things gotcha. that a university is doing and include some of the stuff that's transitioned from research into stuff that's right before uh, commercialization. There's a couple of groups like uh, Manufacturing USA Institutes that's got a bunch of project calls. I would like to talk about what they're doing, what uh, the results that they're uh, producing. And it's quite a few of them. That's that's one of the reasons why I talk about it. There is a, a breadth of uh, research that's going on there. Um, metrology is another good one. That's, that's something uh, I definitely like to talk about. And my personal goal would be talk more a little bit upstream of manufacturing and talk about the transition from design to manufacturing. I think that's a uh, underrepresented section, and it's a uh, topic that's un- that we need to discuss a little bit more, especially when we talk about um, more robust designs, uh, design for manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, increasing quality of um, of life, uh, length of life, or uh, more robust parts. That transition is rocky, and I don't think mm-hmm. that's evolved much in the past couple of years. So, uh, understanding. Uh, CAD tools, FEA tools, design simulation tools, right. and how does that con- convert into a manufacturable design? Yeah, is my goal for no, next that's, year. That's brilliant. That's a great goal. Yeah. Wow, man. Now we can wrap it up. All right. <laughs> See, where can they find more information about us? They can find more information about me on my blog, uh, Adventures of an Amateur Machinist, yep. which is uh, Swarfy Steve, which is one word, Swarfy Steve dot blogspot dot com, um, and you. They can find me on LinkedIn. Look up Benjamin Moses. And you can find our podcast where you're listening to us now on <laughs> uh, on SoundCloud, Spotify, just Google, just Google search AMT Tech Trends. That's right. That's two words, Tech Trends, and yeah. then AMT before that. Make sure you throw in the AMT if you want ours. And if you're interested in learning about more of transformative technologies, the latest, manufac- latest uh, technologies to enter the manufacturing space that are uh, improving productivity uh, and increasing return on investment, check out the MT360 conference. It's amazing. Hell yeah, man. Let's get this.